Welcome to Kansas City Confidential, a podcast where we're here from the people behind Kansas City's local restaurants, businesses, and personalities. I'm your host, Sari, and this week I'm joined by Isaac Lee Collins, owner of Yogurtini in Kansas City and Streamline Profit Academy. By the age of 23, Isaac owned his first business. Now, Isaac is a community-focused serial entrepreneur and coach. Here's Isaac to share the ups and downs he has faced being an entrepreneur. Casey Confidential. Casey's Confidential. How did you get started in the soft serve industry? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, oh gosh, how did I get into it? It is quite the story. It's a long one somewhat, but just a very short version is I've been at it for about 11 years now, I guess this summer. Yeah, this summer, July will be 11 years of entrepreneurship. And my first business was a Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory. I got into it, started my journey when I was 23, moved to Iowa and actually bought a Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory and started that. But three years in, I actually wanted to come back to Kansas City because I had friends here, both sides of my family was here. And so I uh, went to corporate because Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory is a franchise. And I said, do you have any opportunities in Kansas City for Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory? And they said, no, we don't have anything in chocolate, but we did just acquire this new frozen yogurt brand. It's called Yogurtini. Have you ever heard of it? No, never heard of it at the time. So they said, go check it out. Let me know what you think. So I did, came back, saw some friends, saw some family, checked it out, loved it. I loved the variety of people. Well, you have old, young, black, brown, white, uh, just all all the stuff. And it was so cool because I'm like, you can build incredible communities when you have a business that attracts a clientele that is this diverse. So I went back to Iowa. I called them up and said, I'm in. And that's kind of the skinny of how I got started just through my connections that I already had with Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory. And having been an entrepreneur since your early 20s, what is it about being a business owner that you have always loved and has pushed you to continue to build other businesses? Yeah, that's a good question. I always say to people that I'm a really bad employee <laughs> and not in like, oh my gosh, he doesn't work hard. It's quite the opposite. I figure things out quickly. I'm a type A, maybe that comes from sports. I don't know, but I, I get it. I catch on to things quickly. I'm coachable. And so when I start working at a new business and I go through training, I learn things quickly. But then from there, maybe it's because I'm an only child, but I don't like being told what to do. And so I did not do well when working for managers and leaders that were micromanagers. And I unfortunately ran into a lot of those. So I kind of deem myself as like, I'm not really a great hire because once I start getting that kind of friction, it bothers me. And I end up kind of like having words out with my boss or I end up quitting. So that's what happened several times. And I was like, gosh, if I'm ever going to not have this weird relationship while working, I need to be the top of the food chain. I either need to be running the company or owning the company. So from a young age, I started thinking about being an entrepreneur. And it wasn't, entrepreneur was not a word you used back in the day. It was just a business owner. Now it's a buzzword. It's like a cool thing. But back then I was like, I just want to own a business and I want to hire my own people. And I want to create my own ecosystem and create my own culture and community within what I'm doing. So I can make sure that everyone feels loved and seen and heard and um, all those different things. And it's been fun being able to do that for the last 11 years. 
And so when you were coming back to Kansas City, what was the process like getting started with Yogurtini? Um, starting over from scratch. It was very interesting. I still had my um, Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory up in Iowa. And so I had two businesses about four and a half hours apart from each other. And I would go back to Iowa to check on that business every two months or so. So I had about a 60-day grind to get as much done as I could before I left for a few weeks to go check on that business. And I just got in and started doing it all, like getting to know the city by just meeting with friends, meeting with family, meeting with different um, customers that I had and whatnot, so I could understand what I was getting into. But when I got into the business as well, I needed to figure out just um, what worked <laughs> and what didn't work. So for the first probably four months, I really didn't change a lot that they were already doing. And the business was uh, doing well sales-wise, but they were kind of failing because they weren't profitable. And I needed to change things immediately, but I didn't want to rock the boat too soon. So I kind of got in there for four months and made kind of micro changes and uh, gave myself time to just survey the landscape of the entire city, but also my business and my four walls. I wanted to know out of these 13 employees, who can I keep and who needs to go? Uh, I wanted to see the flow of traffic and I wanted to see what people liked about Yogurtini without them seeing it. Oh, a new person here and immediately changing how they interacted with the business. I really wanted to see uh, what the city thought of Yogurtini as well. So I could really understand like, what is the brand currently and what do I need to change about it to get to where I need to go based off of how I do business. And so for the first four months, it was a lot of almost recon, like not putting out there a lot that I'm the new guy, but almost secret shopping my business, the area, but also the entire city. So I could really put an ear to the ground and hear like, okay, here's what people think about Yogurtini while also connecting it to the vision that I had for Yogurtini and figuring out what's the gap in between. With Yogurtini being a self-serve uh, Froyo, what adjustments did you have to make when the pandemic started? Uh, a big one. <laughs> uh, so for the first parts of the pandemic, there were certain businesses, let's say food and retail, uh, restaurants and whatnot, that had different restrictions than others. And the most restricted food business was buffets, because it's not really great when there's a pandemic and you have 150 per people per day touching the same spoon. So since we're self-serve and we have spoons out for our topping bar and we have handles that every single person's touching, we fell under the category of buffet. We had way more limitations than even a lot of our uh, competitors did because they were like, you know, scooping out of a well and whatnot. They could serve it. So one person is touching that scooper versus 150 people per day. Uh, so we really had to work around that. And so what that looked like for us is we had to essentially throw out our model of self-serve for the first several months. And we actually had to lock our doors so people could not come into our space, which if you've been in Yogurtini in Kansas City, it's all about community. It's all about being in our space. It's all about feeling the energy in the room. And you couldn't do that. And so it hurt our sales big time, but we had to meet them at the door and take their order and then go in and then make it and then go back to the door, grab their payment, process it, and then come back again. It just really was a convenient and it really hurt us. But hey, we did it for three months and we kind of followed the rules. And here in Kansas City, for buffets at least, for every month or two, they uh, lessened the restrictions. So then we could let people in our space, but we still had to make it for them. So they were walking next to us and telling us what they wanted as we helped them out. And then after that, they could get their own yogurt, 
but then we had to spoon the toppings onto their cups. And then the last one from there was they could do the whole thing again. And we can actually put the chairs down and people could stay in our space. And so it took, oh gosh, it feels like forever. It ended up being only like six months that we had to do that, but we did it. And we had enough community support where we had just enough sales to continue going and not close our doors for good. Which is great. And as you said, when you walk into Yogurtini, there is a very specific vibe to it. And one of the things that I think people enjoy so much and part of the fun of self-serve is getting to decide how much of yogurt you want, deciding each flavors, going through the topping bar and deciding which toppings you think would best fit your, your flavors. And so obviously you had to pivot, but being able to, you know, give that experience to customers and then, and once they were able to come back and and do it themselves, but that is something that's so fun about Yogurtini and what makes you different from other competitors is the self-serve aspect because you can decide your own, you know, how many toppings you want. I do know some people that like to go topping heavy on Mm -hmm. their self-serve, which is always fun, but, um, yeah, it's it's so crazy to think now the pandemic started, you know, three years ago and how much has changed and how much businesses had to pivot adjustments that they that they had to make. Yeah, it's it's been amazing. I mean, we saw the resiliency and we also got to see how our team was and who cared about the mission and who wanted help and who necessarily didn't or who cared, but they were obviously concerned about their safety. And so we just waited and we didn't furlough anyone and we didn't fire anyone. And, you know, when they were able to come back, they came back. But the coolest thing was to see how the community came around us. I mean, people were were doing all kinds of things to support our business. And uh, it just, it was really exciting. It really shows how amazing Kansas City is and how amazing our communities are and whatnot for them to support their own because, you know, they didn't want their local business to, to close down and whatnot. And so uh, I just think back to it. And yes, it was so terrible for us business owners. Yes, it was so terrible for everyone for their their stress and their anxiety and their depression levels. Something beautiful was kind of kind of born out of it, though. And I think three years later, with not having to worry about COVID as much, that energy still stays in our city. Um, and it it made it so much more cohesive. It made at least the startup and small business community way closer. And I think it bridged a gap between the average everyday, you know, citizen of our city and the small businesses like they really want to support local now and look to go out of their way to support local versus going to all these different chains and and that kind of stuff and I just think that's so cool from my perspective amazing to hear from business owners and all different kinds of industries that there is so much truth to Kansas City rallying behind the local business community during the pandemic and as you said people love these businesses and do not want them to go out of business and the best way to do that is to go out and support them people were coming to to your support and making sure that you knew how much they loved and supported your business as well yeah, absolutely. And I think that's going to continue too. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's it's so cool. And, uh, you know, Kansas City is growing so much with all the different initiatives they have and all the construction going on and stadiums being built and all this kind of stuff. And so um, the coolest thing, you know, in the last couple of years, there's been a demonization of capitalism. And uh, now with so much focus on supporting small business, I think we now wisely have separated, you know, the evil capitalism, as people say, of big business and how small businesses focus on focus on their everyday because small businesses, they're just trying to feed their families, they're normal people like everyone else. And small businesses pour so much time 
energy and most importantly money back into the local community. And so um, people, I think, haven't been demonizing all business now. It's mainly the big business that don't do things how they should, let's say, and less or like in our city, probably no demonization of small businesses. So that has been cool because I know nationally small businesses have felt that when policies were created you know, kind of against big business, but it also really affected small businesses. So that's been one of the coolest things to see. Someone who, as you mentioned, is a serial entrepreneur. In terms of Yogurtini, what are some additional struggles that you face being a business owner? I just kind of, it, it probably depends on the season first off, but I would say one of the most exciting parts about business is being able to grow people and um, hire the right people and kind of see their full potential come out and see them thrive and see them kind of achieve their dreams and goals through the business that they're working for. Unfortunately, life is not black and white. It's very gray. And so while for a lot of us business owners, our favorite parts are our people, you know, people are also the biggest headaches and they're the biggest setbacks as well, because people are going to people, you know, we have emotions, we have bad days sometimes and, and whatnot. And sometimes our best just isn't as good as it needs to be in certain regards. So I would say there's been seasons where we've had some real headaches in our business and it was people related. I would say for us, one of the biggest times was after things started to quote unquote, calm down with COVID. And I think during COVID, during the pandemic, our team, you know, everyone was grinding. Let's get through it. Let's do this together. This is amazing. Oh, we're going to get through this. It almost like when things started to settle, that's when we really started to experience people's mental health issues because they slowed down. They got kind of got out of survival mode and they're like, okay, things are cool. And then it like rushed over and hit them. And so we really had to take that on as a um, leadership team to say, how do we hold the standard for Yogurtini? How do we hold our people to a high standard and want the best for them? when sometimes they're not wanting it for themselves, but how do we also show kindness? How do we show grace? How do we show empathy through this time where like people are not just financially struggling anymore, but they're emotionally struggling and they helped us get through this hard time. So we have to give them grace in this time of them not being great, them not being perfect, no one is, and just treating them like, like people. So always trying to get better at that, but that was a struggle that we had and probably still have. And from a consumer side, I'm always telling people, especially in the for the service industry, that I have been baffled to see the way that people have treated individuals in the service industry, especially after everything that the world has survived and is surviving over the last few years. I just unfortunately have seen a couple of incidences at various businesses where people sometimes forget that the person who is serving them is a person. And when yeah. they leave that job, they have a life outside that job. They have other things going on. They as well have personal life and family and friends and things that they're dealing with that a lot of people also need to be reminded of that, that when you yourself are leaving work and then you go to another business, you then are entering someone else's workplace and someone who is in their work situation. Yeah. Be kind to one another and remember that. Yeah. Mental health is such a concern now and as it should be, and we need to make sure that we are treating individuals with respect that they deserve. Yeah, I think of two things when you were saying that. I think uh, the first thing, hurt people hurt people. I mean, it, it, that's really just how it is. It's as simple as that. And I wish everyone was um, strong enough to be hurting 
and still show kindness and empathy and love, but not everyone possesses that ability because that's hard. Usually whatever's in you comes out. And so if you're hurting and you're depressed and you're angry and you're anxious and all these kinds of things, that's going to come out in one way or another. And I think um, the rate for domestic abuse has shot up because when you're feeling those emotions, you're trapped in the house with your family or your spouse and your significant other. And so that is what happens. That's where it comes out because you can't do, you know, you can't, you're not out of the house to do it to your subordinate or a colleague or a random person in a hot dog stand on the street. But yeah, when people start to come out of their house, unfortunately, it, it started to happen to employees like mine. <laughs> My employees got a lot of that and we're food retail. So of course we did, you know what I mean? Servers and bartenders at, at restaurants and bars. We've seen so many stories of that as well. And so that is um, a shame when it comes to that, because it has come out in that way. Early on, there were a handful of businesses that were deemed essential and they stayed open. Mine was one of them because we're an eatery. Any eatery could stay open. Any kind of essential business to keep society and go going could stay open. And early on, we championed those people. Oh my gosh, they're heroes. Oh, they're this, they're that. They lumped us essential in with like healthcare workers and stuff like that because people needed to eat and we we protected them and it was amazing but again after all that was over and people started coming out then you demonized these same essential workers that were feeding you and that's just a shame i wish that more perspective was able to be seen through everything because i think if people understood the optics and how that looked they wouldn't have been doing it but again when you're stuck in your own mess and you're in your own head and you're not in a good headspace and you're dealing with mental health or mental illness, you you don't gain perspective and it does really get hard. So I just hope for healing for everyone who's still going through something. You know, I just hope that we can be better as people. You recently had another baby, which is mm -hmm. very exciting. So congrats to you. When you are not working, what does life in Kansas City look like for you? Oh, gosh. So again, seasons of life are very interesting. So I'm 34 and just had just had our second kid. I would say this current season, uh, we don't get to experience much Kansas City because we're at home a lot. Uh, my businesses kind of run themselves. I have amazing managers and so we don't go out a ton. When we do, it's usually to eat. <laughs> when we do get a date night or whatever it is, we have a handful of restaurants and whatnot that are our favorite. When we lived more in the city, we would have our favorite like live music spots we like to go to. We love live music. So you do that. Uh, you could always catch me at a good coffee shop, a good local coffee shop back in the day and whatnot. And when my uh, paternity leave, I guess you could say is over here in three weeks, I'll be visiting my three yogurt teenies a lot more. So I'll be kind of probably getting back to doing those coffee shop runs, those visits and meeting with people in person and that kind of stuff. So, you know, just visiting Kansas City small businesses. And you are entrepreneurial coach and you are very involved in the community. So can you explain a little more of that to me? Yeah. So like I said, I've been at this for 11 years, six months into my journey. I uh, <laughs> was looking for something else because, uh, you know, what brought me to the dance was that Rocky Man Chocolate Factory. I owned that for four years, three years actually being there in Iowa but I quickly knew that it wasn't like the thing. It wasn't the thing that I absolutely loved. And like I woke up and I was like, oh, I'm going to sell some chocolate today. I knew it was entrepreneurship as an industry, but I knew that there was just kind of something else out there. And the little voice in the back of my head would kept saying, 
something with helping people better their lives or some variation, you know, some subset of their life. What I always was attracted to was personal development and, you know, speaking, speakers, motivational speakers and business coaches and consultants and just that whole realm of personal development and self-help and whatnot. And so over the years, just in general, if anyone out there is a, a business owner, you'll understand that you constantly get hu- uh, get hit up and people want to pick your brain. Hey, can you look at my business plan? Hey, can I run this idea by you? I want to hear what you have to say. Hey, can I yada, yada, yada. You get all that kind of stuff. And I'd gotten that for, for years. And I'd always answered people for free, never charged them or anything. And my mom always said, you need to stop giving your knowledge away for free. You bled, you sweated, and you teared for that knowledge. You need to make money off that. And I said, oh, no, mom, I love this industry. I love giving back. It's my, it's my, pa- it's my passion. It's my purpose. And it wasn't until the pandemic happened where the amount of, you know, can I pick your brain multiplied by like 10 or so because everyone's like frantic trying to figure out how do they save their business. And I was the same way. And so after doing that for several months while I was trying to figure out my own mess, it finally hit me that I need to be valued for my time. And so that is when I started doing it professionally, probably mid 2020. And it has been super fun being able to honestly get a higher buy-in when you get advice for free. You only listen so much because there's not much skin in the game, let's say. But as a business coach now, and someone puts their hard-earned money down, they have so much more buy-in, and I can work with them at a much deeper level now um, because they do have skin in the game, which is their actual hard-earned dollars. And so over the last three years, we've been able to work with dozens of Kansas City entrepreneurs from a speaking perspective, business coaching, and also um, consulting. And our whole focus is to help them do three things. One is to streamline their sales system. Two is to systemize their operations. And then three is to maximize their profits. It's this um, kind of system that I came up with that I actually had been using in my own business for years. And so I kind of took what I learned and I tried it. (laughs) I tried it on some, some clients and some students and what do you know, it worked. And I was able to get people the same results that I've been getting over the years. And so we're looking to scale up more and more in 2023 and 2024. And it's amazing way for me to help bring equity to business entrepreneurship. I would say that society has failed entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs. You have all this literature out there for all these other things, but for small business ownership, um, to own a business and whatnot, there isn't a one fit all way of doing it. And I think that has really hurt people because now they just get stuck in the analysis paralysis. Oh, I'm going to watch a podcast. Oh, I'm going to hop on YouTube where uh, if you're going to change a tire, there's a very clear A to Z way. You know what I mean? If you want to become a college athlete, there's an A to Z way. If you want to do a math algorithm, there is an A to Z way. If you want to do much of anything else, there's an A to Z way, but there isn't that clear A to Z way to run a business. And I'm trying to create that to expedite the process of people and make it easier, especially for that mom, pa main street business to be successful. So if someone listening to the podcast, it would be interested in getting that coaching and running ideas by you. How would they get in touch with you to, to hear more of your ideas and for your coaching? Sure. So my company is called Streamlined Profit Academy, and you can connect with me on any uh, platform there is out there. I'm at Isaac Lee Collins, or you can email me at Isaac at IsaacLeeCollins.com. 
think it's really great that you are offering, aside from what you're doing with Yogurt Team in the community you're building there, but also doing this to help people in the community with their own ideas and, and becoming entrepreneurs. I think that's really great. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. It's a, it's amazing. I mean, there are some free resources in Kansas City. I think that there's a lot of amazing organizations doing the work uh, just in relation to how many entrepreneurs there are. I mean, there's over 50,000 small businesses in Kansas City. We just need more. We need more coaches. We need more trainers. We need more teachers. We need more consultants and advisors and mentors and all the stuff in this industry to continue to help the business owners of Kansas City. You know, I can only help so many people and all of the entrepreneur support organizations out there can only help so many. So um, if you need help with your business, I would love to have a conversation and help you. And if you are someone who can continue to support other entrepreneurs, I advise you do that. I think uh, you'll have a lot of passion and purpose through um, giving back. Getting a little back to life in Kansas City. I know you said, obviously, right now, not having much time getting out to some of your favorite places. But when you can go out, what are some of your favorite places to visit in Kansas City? Oh, gosh. So food-wise, especially when we lived in the city, we're out in Lenexa now, but I used to live in like Westport Plaza area, and we love pizza. So we are having Artego Pizza. I don't, um, it's on 39th Street. So it's by far my favorite pizza place of all time. Um, it's owned by a former Kansas City Chief quarterback, Joe Perez. So that's just a regular spot of ours. As far as coffee goes, I mean, you can find me all over the city. But uh, I would say the main one I went to, oh gosh, so many are coming to my mind. I actually had a roastery close to my house. So I would say that was my number one spot, probably just due to uh, proximity to where I lived. Uh, I take a lot of meetings over at Ruby Jeans over on, I think, 29th and True, 30th and Truest over there. As far as live music goes, my wife and I, we would bounce back and forth between Green Lady Lounge and the Phoenix. Uh, She likes the Phoenix. I like Green Lady Lounge. I do like the Phoenix because I actually have food, but Green Lady's ambiance is so cool. So those are great spots. And my favorite barbecue joint in Kansas City is Joe's. I've been vegetarian for the past three years and they're known for their Z-Man and they have a portobello mushroom version of their Z-Man and it is phenomenal. So, so good. So that's probably my list. That list is pre-babies. We would go to all those places at least once a week. If there was something you could change about Kansas City, what would that be? That's a good question. It's hard for me to say because any industry that you'd say, hey, this needs better, this could be better. Uh, Kansas City's working on it. There, there's a lot that's in the works right now in the city. So I don't want to criticize any industry and whatnot uh, because whatever I say, it's probably going to be here and be done between one and, and seven years, I'd say. Uh, it's very easy to to criticize government. So I'll say if they could fix the pothole issue, I thought it was just a Missouri thing, but there's still quite a bit of potholes over here in Kansas as well. So, you know, I don't know if it's a Casey Mo Metro issue with our grounds or what, but these potholes that, yeah, these potholes, everything else is probably just going to be fixed in the next five years. So I won't criticize those, those uh, places. Getting back to Tio Gertini, do you have a favorite flavor combo of yogurt and toppings? Yeah. So I like the suicide approach of um, frozen yogurt. So I'll do three, four, five different yogurts. And so usually they're some variation of two or three different kinds of chocolate, 
I'll do a cake batter and then whatever our caramel is. So either the dolce de leche or caramel, uh, salted caramel pretzel. So I'll have three or four in there. And then I will always do cookie dough bites, brownies, and either hot fudge or chocolate syrup, depending on what uh, yogurts are in there. If I don't go with that mix, I'll go with a fruity mix. I have the same sorbet and fresh fruit. And then I'll put some apple tartini sauce on top of it. But it's probably three quarters of the time my chocolatey mix, and then one quarter of the time it's my my fruity sorbet mix. Are there any flavors coming out that listeners should know about? Sure, if it's still in, it may be. Um, uh, right now we're spinning our we're swirling our Irish mint for St. Patty's Day. It's going to be passed by the time you all listen to this, but check it and see if it's still in because it's wildly popular, and we kind of treat that one like it's the uh, McRib at uh, McDonald's it's only in you know certain parts of the year and when it's in people love it and when it's gone people are sad but we're like nope just one time a year so try that out but also that's almost the transition time to spring slash summer so we'll start bringing in more fruity flavors so we might have two or three fruity non-dairy flavors but we'll start bringing in four or five six different variations so you could have anything from a strawberry to a strawberry lemonade to a pomegranate raspberry to a watermelon. So it, it, you know, if you like those lighter flavors, this is your Super Bowl. This is your time to shine. Yeah, it's always fun to see flavors change seasonally, as especially as we are getting into spring and and summer flavors. And I I will say I'm someone who all things ice cream, froyo, I enjoy year round. It will be freezing cold outside, and I will really really want ice cream. Yeah, we need more <laughs> I, people like you in the world. I I often will say that, you know, under the umbrella of ice cream and and soft serve is like my favorite food category, obviously knowing that it is not a real category, but to me it is, it's an essential in my, in my diet, but I am always excited for spring, especially with yogurtini location on the plaza. I really enjoy getting yogurtini to go and then walking around loose park and enjoying it sort of a walk walk and eat situation and it's always nice to enjoy those things when the weather is nicer and you and mm-hmm. there's a patio at the uh, plaza location as well which is great and- <laughs> yeah yeah it really is i mean just desserts in general it's amazing uh, that's been the backbone of my entrepreneurial career is sweets you know four years of rocky man chocolate factory we served any kind of confectionery good that you can think of we served it and, and now eight years coming up for frozen yogurt. It's just, it's been amazing to be in this industry because it makes people happy. They come in happy, they leave happier, or if they come in in a bad mood, they leave, you know, happy or at least happier than they were when they first entered. So it's just, again, a great community builder. It's great to see people come in and be so excited over frozen yogurt. And my goal has always been to create a like a second home away from home how people look at their local coffee shop so everyone has their their local coffee house that they like to go to and whatnot and they know the baristas and like they have their spot their certain table we want that same thing where people feel like it's warm and inviting and they come often and whatnot and they have their favorite table and we know their name and all those kinds of things so that is the goal we're gonna fall short of that obviously we're human and i'm I'm employing a lot of 14 to 18 year olds with their own lives going on, but that's kind of the goal we hope everyone experiences when they come into Yogurtini. And as you said in the very beginning, 
one of the things that's so great about frozen yogurt is it's for everyone. It's for any demographic. It's a really nice thing to to get to experience. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's fun. Just when you walk in next time, just look around. If it has a lot of people in there, you'll you'll just see like community being built. People are meeting there for you know friends who haven't seen each other in a long time, meeting up to catch up or right by the university. So you get a lot of younger kids and families coming in with with young young kiddos and whatnot, and just having fun, playing the games that are there just having great conversation and building connections. It's it's an amazing thing. Where can people follow Yogurtino on social media and any additional social media for your entrepreneur coaching as well? Sure. So the Yogurtini, so we have three locations. Actually, every location has their own social media page. So um, the Plaza location is at Yogurtini Plaza. Uh, the Liberty location is at Yogurtini Shoal Creek KC. And the Overland Park location is at Yogurtini Overland Park. And uh, just, just Google us, just type in Yogurtini and we'll be the ones that um, come up. We have pretty good SEO going on. So we'll we'll come up and check us out of those three locations. Or you can go to yogurtini.com to find out more information about the brain as a whole, but then click locations to find my three in particular. And then coaching, you can just just message me, Isaac Lee Collins or Isaac at IsaacLeeCollins.com. And if you want to go to my business pages, it's at Streamlined Profit Academy. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, especially since you just recently had baby number two, which a huge Uh congrats again to you and your wife. And I just really love hearing about your love for the community and everything you are doing through yogurt Tini and coaching and everything you're pouring back into the community. I just think it's really fantastic. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And yeah, I'm always around excited to connect with you further and your community out there as well. You can find Isaac's social media and website in the show notes. If you like this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. You can follow me on Instagram at Casey by Sari. See you next week. Casey Confidential. Casey's Confidential. Kansas City's best. Casey Confidential. Hey, confidential.